Well, we've been toggling uh, between 1 Samuel and 1 John, and today we're going to venture back to 1 John, and I'm giving Ronaldo a little bit of a break, and uh, what a distinct pleasure it is for me to look through and pour through this particular passage of Scripture. Uh, we're going to be looking today at, at chapter 5 of 1 John. It's going to take us a little while to get to it in whole, uh, but it is an amazing journey. It's been amazing for me. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit has weaved Scripture together. All Scripture is God-breathed. It is inspired by Him. What an amazing God we have that works through people. Uh, the different authors, different styles, all harmoniously bearing witness to the truth. You can even see parallels from 1 Samuel to 1 John. It's kind of amazing as you look at it. God used John in a mighty way. His Holy Spirit breathed through him in a writing style that is unique. The Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the book of Revelation. It is an incredible book and writings to actually meditate on, to take some time. They're actually not that easy uh, to comb through, but when you meditate on them, it is a blessing. Great confidence comes through the book of 1st John. John is pointed he is clear. He loves his hearers. You can hear that as you read. The Holy Spirit working through John in a method of love. Not wanting any to be deceived or led astray. John speaks with great passion and love for Christ. Just consider his, him being used to convey the book of Revelation. He is particularly passionate about the deity of Christ, the oneness of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit has used his writings so powerfully for, the, for salvation. The Gospel of John and first, the first epistle have been tremendously used to draw people to saving faith. A friend of mine had referred the Gospel of John to his brother, praying for him for years. And one day he got a call and said, I spent all night reading through the book of John and have decided to, to give my life to Christ. What a blessing. What a blessing for a family member to receive Christ, to have used this word of God to so powerfully change people into a new birth. The purpose statement of 1 John is found in the last chapter, somewhat indicative of John's writing style. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. What a blessing to have that confidence. The book of 1 John really gives us questions that we can ask ourselves. Are we in the faith? Are we born of God? The book of 1 John gives us confidence. Those who have been called by God, who are in God, have confidence to do the work of God. What a blessing. Our text opens up and says, so we're going to read from 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. 
For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's open in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just uh, praise you for this passage of Scripture. I pray, Lord, that you would give us clarity of mind, that you would give us a heart of hearing instead of a heart of stone, that we might be soft uh, children of God before you, that we might participate in the fellowship that we have in Christ in a new way as well, that we might love one another, that we might come alongside one another, that we might love your commands, that we might feed on your instruction. Lord, I just pray that you would guide our congregation today, and Lord, I pray that it would bless you and that it would be glorifying to you in its whole. In your name I pray, amen. Locked inside each one of us, in each living creature, is a code of unique qualities. Leads to unique and powerful identifiers as to the lineage of a specific person. Even in your mother's womb, these codes are in place. DNA is part of every cell. It's consistent with every part of your body every part of the creature. The DNA is the same in your hair follicle as it is in your tooth. Your DNA can be reviewed and its unique qualities can identify information about your heritage. If a child is separated from his parent or her parent and he does not know their origin, a DNA sample can be obtained for comparison and possible identification. Parent, siblings, or even grandparents might be identified as a possible match. DNA is a unique qualifier, identifier, to provide facts about the person or evidence of wrongdoing. It provides a biological fingerprint, so to speak, of an individual, one. In essence, the DNA of a person is a unique birthmark, is it not, that can, that can be used to identify who you are, to whom you were born, your biological sex, hair color, eye color, heritage, and even ethnicity. This birthmark is a way to identify who you are as an individual biologically. Just as the biological identifiers exist, so do physical identifiers, traits that set you apart. How you speak, what you wear, says a lot about who you are as a person. If you come from Nebraska or Wisconsin, you might even have a little bit of an accent for those of us who are from Minnesota. Your characteristics and behaviors are all indicators of who you are and how you fit into a specific context. There are other things about you that reflect what is important to you. What is your passion in life? What are your patterns of thoughts? What are your individual defaults? What is your sensitivities and oddities? The purpose of the book of 1 John is to help you identify your true identity. Are you sure that you have eternal life? Are you in fact born of God and bear the evidence of an eternal parent who birthed you through a, the kind intentions of his will? Or is your heritage one of a different father with a different inheritance and a different sonship? In fact, this lineage discussion was frequently addressed by Jesus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, Jesus discusses the necessity of a second birth. 
he declared to Nicodemus that one must be born again. The new birth doesn't produce a biological change. When you are born again, your eyes and skin color do not transition. Your DNA remains the the same as your first birth. What changes about you is profound. It is more profound than the beginning. You become a child of God. You are born into a new family. Your transition to to a child of light from a child of darkness. You are a friend of Christ. You are a called out one, a saint. You are a sheep of the good shepherd. I grew up in a Christian home. We went to church on Sunday. We had very warm relationships, a moral upbringing, encouragement to marry a godly woman from the church was my mom's heart heart cry to me as I grew up. The question for me, was I living a pattern of life, but not really being a child of God? Was I born of God, and was I an overcomer, or was I merely living a tradition that was passed on? This is John's purpose. Am I born of God, or am I deceived? For if I'm deceived, I have a different father. I'm not an overcomer, but a child of lies. In John chapter 8, Jesus discusses lineage with the Pharisees. The discussion was a bit like a debate about who Jesus' father is and who are the children of God versus the children of Satan. Jesus uses a sort of spiritual DNA litmus test to decipher their parentage and future inheritance. Just looking at John chapter 8, and I'll be referencing from verse 31 on as we move through this particular section. So if you'd like to turn there, you're welcome to. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, You will, be, you will become free? In my own life, it was as if I were saying, I come, to, I come from a Christian home. I have a good lineage. I went to church youth group. My friends and I were all part of the same friend group that identified with the church. You may say, well, I've been homeschooled. I was baptized. But the, the issue here is not what, what descendant or what habits you have. The issue here is, do you believe? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, if everyone who commits sin that everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, that's Jesus, you will be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen, my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. Jesus is calling the question. These are heart questions. Yes, you attended church. Yes, you came from Abraham. Yes, you know the law. But does God's word abide in you? Are you truly a believer? They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If Abraham's 
children, if you're Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we are not born of fornication. We have one father, God. This is such a critical juncture where some accept the idea of God, but reject his son. I believe in God, but there are many ways to eternal life. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father, for he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and a father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God, who is born of God, hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them, because you are not of God. Our culture is fixated on self-identification, but our eternal state is not built on self-identification or self, but on the birthright provided to us by being born of God. In John 8, we see evidence of these characteristics of birthmarks that are given to the believer. We see, first of all, a continual belief in the words of Christ. If you believe, you would listen to my words. You would continue in them. If you're my disciple, you continue in them. A hearing of the words of Christ, a truth that transitions a person from loving sin to loving God and others from being enslaved to sin to being free from sin, a transition to believing God and speaking rightly about him, a love of Christ who God sent, a love of God leading to obedience, a distinct faith in him. This new birth is not one one of our own initiative, for we even see that Jesus was not sent on his own initiative, but listened to the Father. Just as your first birth was not initiated by you, Your likeness to your spiritual heritage is evident by what ears you have to hear. A new birth that seals the victory over death, that includes faith, overcomes sin, confusion, and selfishness of this present world. These are marks of a believer in Christ. Being born of God ensures a victory and moves one to the state of an overcomer. This world is an evil place, is it not? It is all around us. Yet scripture speaks of those who are born of God and are as a result overcomers. The scriptures testify about God, about who he is, and that he is an agent to overcome evil. Everyone born into this world is in desperate need of an agent of grace and a second birth. Now let's transition back to 1 John chapter 5. and toggle through these things just as we go through here, and I'll give you an outline 
here for the last portion of this service, right from the text. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, and we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome to us. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We have in this short passage of Scripture a lot of truth tightly packed, very consistent with John chapter 8. There is enormous implications regarding the work of salvation. What John is addressing is so important that he is compelled to review previous ground that he has already covered already in 1 John. Think about it. Born of God. It's mentioned here on several occasions. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. The Father loves the child born of him. Nobody in this room chose to be born. Nobody in this room chose all the characteristics they were born with. There were other factors at play. And although we would like to take credit at times for our second birth, we have no business or basis to do it. In our study of Ephesians in chapter 2, we see this so clear. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead. That we formerly walked according to the course of this world, all of us. According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. That we too formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he had, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works that anyone may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. The results of God's work is victory that overcomes. The agent of God's work is a new birth in Christ, the proof or evidence of the new birth are the birthmarks of new believers. Our outline for the message today will be five points. The person born of God believes that Jesus is the Messiah. The person born of God loves God. The person born of God loves God's people. The person born of God loves God's word and is not a hearer only, but a doer. The person born of God overcomes the world. 
person born of God believes that Jesus is the Messiah. Verse 1 starts, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. As Jesus described in John chapter 8, belief implies a consistent continuation of believing, specifically in the work of Christ. Verse 5, verse five further explains in, in John chapter five, first John chapter 5, that the one that confesses and acknowledges Jesus is the Son of God is born of God. Who is the one who overcomes the world? but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. The Greek word for belief is pistu. To believe put, puts, put one's faith in, trust, with an implication that actions based on that trust may follow. In Matthew 16, Peter provides the example of what John is expressing. He said to them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, a proclamation of his person. And Jesus said to him, knowing his motive, obviously, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This is the acknowledgement of true belief. The believer has a trusting relationship, not doctrinal consent alone. Spurgeon defines this as whoever believes that the Savior is the anointed is born of God. The anointed, who is God? Who is, who is Christ? Spurgeon goes on to say that Christ is prophet, he is priest, and he is king. As we go forward in a subsequent message in 1 John chapter 5, we see some evidence of what Spurgeon is talking about. The prophet, one who foretells, that can speak the truth, that speaks the words of God. The priest, who has the capacity and the credentials to be a sacrifice. And a king, who can act on those, on those issues. To believe in him is to understand his identity as deity and to accept his claims and his work. It is to believe that he has the credentials to do the work. Do I believe that he is the propitiation for my sin and that his body and blood are the only path to salvation? Do you believe that? Whoever, in this statement, is not universalism. It can also be interpreted everyone who. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Sometimes when I've read this passage in the past, and maybe it's just me, I consider the whoever the subject. But actually it's not. The subject is the work of Christ. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. John's already covered this, 1 John 2. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father, and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. The Antichrist, like all Antichrists, deny the truth. He denies that Jesus is the Christ. 
He denies the relationship between the Father and the Son. The denier of the Son does not have the Father, period. This is where the Jews were struggling, is it not? They were descendants of Abraham. They had God, but they did not have the Son. This is the Antichrist. John chapter 3, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life, so that everyone who believes has eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave. Look at this giving here. An only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him Continuation of belief, trust, faith in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is the anointed. Do we believe? This is the commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him, and he in God. We have come to know that we and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So going back to 1 John 5.1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So John first establishes that the person born of God believes that Jesus is the Messiah. He then says the person born of God loves the Father. This has been a hallmark over all of history. The person born of God loves him. This is what so pleases God. Throughout the whole of Scripture, we see this Read Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is, is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Some might say that I want the benefits of believing in God, I want the wealth of God, but do I really love him with all my heart, my soul, and my mind? Jesus reminds his hearers in Matthew 22, but when the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends the whole law and the prophets. Everything hinges on a rightly directing one's love for God and for loving God and loving his son. It is somewhat natural for us to misinterpret events of an unpleasant nature as occurring not for our good, the believer in difficult circumstances need to be fervent in prayer. When resentment about God's sovereign commands occur, we are treading on dangerous ground. For we know that God causes what? All things 
to work together for good. To be in a state of bitterness towards holy God is a difficult position. Consider this command and and deal with it before your maker. Keep yourselves in the love of God, from Jude 21, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Jesus' love for the Father is is a perfect reflection of one who is begotten of him. If we are born of God, we must love him. We are driven to love him. The regeneration of birth brings us into a relationship with the Father. It is a relationship of joy and deep love. 1 John 1, 3 through 4. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that you might have what? Joy. That our joy may be made complete. In 1 John, in the whole, pretty much the whole book, love has been a major focus of the response of regeneration. If we love because he first loved us, how could it be that we have no love for him? The world can claim love, but without loving God and his son, they have no concept of true love, no model of true love, and no promise of enduring love. 1 John 4, 7-10 Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. That's intimacy. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent his only begotten Son, into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God's love is incomprehensible. There's no words that really can describe the depth of it. But if we are born of God, we are a lover of God. Father's love transferred to us through Christ who loved the Father and laid his life as a sacrifice for those the Father has set his love upon. So how could it be that those born of God, begotten by him, born into his family, given eternal life with him, would not love him? John gives us some clarity of the opposite of this in, in 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. 
Do you love God, or do you love this world? Are you born of God, and therefore love him, love his son, and love what he has done? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. So we've seen that the person of God believes that Jesus is the Messiah. The person born of God loves God. Now we'll move to the person born of God loves God's people. We say that we have, if we say we love God, we must love that which is begotten from him. We who believe that we are siblings, if we believe we are siblings of the same parentage, it's always interesting to see how the writer works, but John always goes and says, little children. Um, and I consider myself one of those little children. He speaks to sons and fathers as well, but we're all the children of God. We will never be God's parent, but we are born of him. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. Jesus reminds them in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5 reminds, gives us a great reminder of this in action. The flesh is always what stops us from loving as we should. Setting aside temporal things for the action of love. Love is a movement. It's a, it's a flow. In verse 13 of Galatians 5, it says, You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in the one word in, the, in that statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. This is why we should not forsake the gathering of the saints. It's not about gathering. It's about being together in fellowship in Christ. It's about loving one another. It's about knowing each other. It's about walking with one another. As a believer in Christ, born of him, you want to be in the community of saints. That is your desire. You want to fellowship with one another. Maybe there's a church with better vocalists. Certainly today you could have attended a church with a better preacher. But do you love others? Do you love other believers? Is that what this is about? Or what is happening within the person born of God? Are you praying for others? Are you using your talents and gifts and skills to serve others? Loving others, especially those of the household of God, ought to be evident in the new birth. One might say, I love God and I follow Christ, but I don't like church. I stay away from churches. I don't like the fellowship of believers. John is saying to us, that is impossible. That is a lie. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul speaks of spiritual gifts, and in 1 Corinthians 13, he speaks of the motive behind them. If I speak with the tongues of angels and of, of men and of angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. 
By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. This is the concept that's replete all the way through 1 John. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That was chapter 1, verse 7. Chapter 2, starting in verse 9. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Chapter 3, 11 and 12. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Certainly not as Cain, who was the evil one, and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Those born of God are lovers in both word and in action. Jesus prayed for this in John 17. The Lord used the same author here to eavesdrop on, on a prayer. I don't know exactly how that worked, but what a blessing it is that we have the high priestly prayer in our Bible, recorded by the same disciple of Christ. He says in verse 22, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that, that they may be one. What a blessing. We have oneness everywhere in the body of Christ, oneness in our marriages, oneness in our fellowship. Why? Because Jesus says, just as we are one, meaning the Godhead, in them, I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, be with me for where I am, be with me where I am, so that they may be, they may see glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. If you have company for a period of time, sometimes it's nice for them to go home, right? You entertain and then you send them home. The oneness within the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is inviting us to the house, but not going to send us home. Understand the work of Christ that is done by inviting us to an eternal glory with him and not send us home. A big part of our testimony to a dying world is our love for one another. It's inescapable. In this section, every use of the word love is agapeo. This is sacrificial in its nature. Considering others as better than ourselves, a servant of love. That is the body of Christ. The person born of God believes that Jesus is the Messiah. The person born of God loves God. The person born of God loves God's people. Next, we see in this section that the person born of God loves God's commandments, his words, 
and is not a hearer but a doer also. The passage says, and starting in verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not a burden. They're not burdensome to us. If we say that we have fellowship with him, but have no regard for what he says, then how can we be born of him? If he is our father, if he is a loving father, then we love the person and his commands. John is saying, this is evidence of the new birth. The loving of God's statutes is not natural to us. The natural man prefers lawlessness. The natural man prefers making up his own rules, wanting to have his, what his itching ears want to hear. The natural man prefers darkness and not light, for his deeds are done in dark. His parentage is of a different father. 1 John 3, 9 and 10. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seeds, seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who are the children of God, who the children of God are, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. In the earlier sermon, we learn that the word for God's seed is sperma in the Greek. The child of God, the one born of him, the one who has God's seed in him, wants to do what is right. We don't always do what's right. We still sin. But there's a moral compass within us. There's a compass of our love for God that brings us back, does it not, to a point of repentance. This is part of our fellowship with one another as well, to love and encourage one another towards good deeds and good actions, to admonish one another and pray for one another, all these one another's that we have been learning about in first hour. Our preference as being one born of God is God's commands. This is what we would prefer. These commands are not a burden to, to us. They are part of a new nature because they are embedded in us, because we are born in them. To not be a burden is to say to not be oppressive or grievous. 1 John chapter 3, this is his commandment, that we believe in the Son, in the name of his Son Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. This is the commandment. You love God's commandments, that we believe in the name of Jesus. That is a commandment. Just as he commanded us, the one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. If his seed is in us, we ought not to find his commands a burden. The psalmist is so clear on this. 
and it's good to read these uh, these passages in the book of in the Psalms because they are so powerful in a example to us. Psalm one: How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Psalm 37, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as a light and your judgment as the noonday. Trust in the Lord. Trust in his commands. Delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 40. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips. O Lord, you know I have not hidden my righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. I delight to do your will, O my God. Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commands. Psalm 19 is a treatise on this. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinance of of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all the riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Jerry Bridges says, but if we realize the moral law is a transcript, a written reproduction of the moral character of God, and that God is love, we see that we cannot distinguish between law and love. Both express the character of God. They are to be, to use a figure of speech, two sides of the same coin. In our case, love provides the motive for obeying the commands of the law, but the law provides specific direction for exercising love. Danny Aiken writes, Loving God rightly, therefore, is not the just external behavior and outward obedience. Is not just external behavior and outward obedience. It's a longing to do His will from the heart, out of a gospel of gratitude, for He is and what He is and what He has done for us in Jesus. It is not an "I have to be obedient." It's a "I want to be obedient." I love to obey this king. The person born of God believes that Jesus is the Messiah. The person born of God loves God. The person born of God loves God's people. The person born of God loves God's word and is not a hearer only but a doer. Point number five, very short. The person born of God is an overcomer. They are victorious because of Christ. The Greek word for victorious is Nike. 
we will be victorious. Are you born of God? Are you an overcomer? Then rejoice, for he has made you glad. These things we write so that your joy may be complete. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just come to you and I thank you for your word. I just thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ and for its impact on me. I thank you, Lord, for the encouragement of other believers, for the faithfulness of your saints, obviously born of you. Lord, I just pray that we would not be hearers only but doers, that we would be lovers of your commands and be willing and see them as not a burden to us. Lord, I thank you for an eternal relationship with you, a fellowship with the Father, with the Son, the indwelling nature of the Spirit, the seed that you have placed in us, that we might know the fruit that you bear through us, that it might testify to your grace. Lord, I pray that this church might be salt and light in a dying world, that they may know us by our love, by our commitment to you, that they may see us as a lover of God, and not a lover of what our itching ears want to hear, but what you tell us. Lord, help us to feed on these things, to meditate on them, to consider your ways in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the night. I thank you for oneness, Lord, for family that you have given us, the family both in relationship but also in the family of Christ. I thank you that we are your children, that we have a parentage of a king, an anointed king, that you have given us a prophet, a priest, and a king who has the capacity to be the propitiation for all of our sins. Lord, I pray that you'd bless our time together as we fellowship. In your name I pray, amen.